Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me. Rick, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today. Thank you so much for being here. My goodness. So I was reading your backdrop and I'm like, from NFL to entrepreneur, it sounds like my kind of guy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I can't wait to dig into your story and kind of hear that journey from a personal perspective for you. And you know, one of the first things that I love to start with, and it's a pretty loaded question, <laughs> but that question is, what inspired you to where you are today, my friend? Uh, my background is in athletics. I played a uh college and professional football. I went to the University of Arizona uh, from 2006 to 2010, played for uh, the Stoops brothers. I was pretty lucky, had a pretty good career there. I was a three-year starter, led the Pac-10 back then in multiple cats, uh, stat categories uh, my junior and senior year, so I had a pretty good career and then was drafted into the NFL in 2011. Got to live out my childhood dream, which was to, to be a professional football player. Uh, I was dead set on that from probably like 15 years old. I was going to make it happen. was pretty excited that I was able to do that. Played for three years, but eventually I had to hang up the cleats and the, the shoulder pads. So once I got done, like most athletes... You know, it's kind of like, what's next? I thought I was going to play, you know, <laughs> until I was like 30, have all this money and probably just open a gym or something. But that didn't happen. So I had to rewrite my story, start over. I got into the corporate world for about six years, had a ton of success there as well. My first year I was rookie of the year or branch MVP. In the next five years, I was either 1%, top 1% or top five sales rep in, in our company. So really, you know, what's led to my success over my career is a lot of the intangibles, hard work, perseverance, desire, passion, basically just the outworking the competition. And what I've been able to do over the last probably five or six years is develop a new skill. And that's really just bringing the right pieces together to build a good team. And uh, that's how I've been able to successfully build my startup. And I'm in like a tech software robotics startup now. So it's been a pretty crazy wild ride. That's amazing, my friend. Thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. My gosh. So your childhood dream. I was going to ask you what you wanted to be when you grew up. But you already said it, that you wanted to be a football player. Yeah, I, I come from a middle class family, lower middle class family. I was the first person to go to college. So felt at an early age, I wanted to kind of change the direction or kind of lift us up and help us or help our family kind of grow and really just set some really scary goals. You know, when I was a young kid, I was just like, this is what I want to do. You know, my parents have made incredible sacrifices and done everything that they could to get us here, but I want to take us there. You know, I'm still chasing that You know, at 35 years old. That's amazing. That's amazing. And where did you grow up? I'm from California, just north of LA, about 35, 40 minutes in Ventura County. So one more year, I've been in Arizona just as long as I was in California. So I'm almost going to say that I'm more of an Arizona guy than a California guy. <laughs> That's awesome. When did you, yeah. when did you move to Arizona? Just, uh, I got a, a football scholarship 
to the University of Arizona. So when I was 18, just came out here. Never thought I'd set roots here, but California was a fun place to grow up. But, you know, start your life at 23 years old. I, I felt like that place was going to be a little bit more chaotic and hectic. And I had friends still living at home when they were 30. You know, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to stay out here and, and start my career here. That's amazing. That's amazing. Arizona is gorgeous. I've been to... Um... I'm in Phoenix and mm -hmm. I've also been to somewhere near there, which I forget the name of the city, but it was absolutely gorgeous. Everywhere in Arizona is so beautiful. And the weather, I was like, oh my God. I see, I come from Boston, Massachusetts, and we complain about weather 24 7. So, yeah, my, my stepdad's from Worcester, just right out. Yeah, Worcester, Massachusetts. So it's funny. You said it right, though. That's amazing. <laughs> well, he, uh, he has he doesn't have the boston accent you know unless he is around people with the boston accent but i'll just say worcester you know but like when he's around people who's from there he's like yeah i'm from worcester <laughs> wow, yeah. that's, that's so accurate it's so hilarious yeah. you know what i hear and for anybody who's like not from here and they're just like worcester i'm like oh god bless you <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you're gonna get killed in boston yeah <laughs> there's a what what yeah Oh my God. I love that. I love that. No, Arizona is awesome. And I love the West coast. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Oh my gosh. So growing up, you were in Cali though, in your early days. Mm -hmm. And who was a big source of inspiration for you during that time, kind of your childhood years? My parents, you know, at an early age were people I looked up to, I, you know, they had hard upbringings and to see that they didn't allow that to affect our lives. They actually wanted to make our lives better and make sure that we didn't have hard upbringings. I'm incredibly thankful for that. It's, I couldn't ask for a better situation. You know, we didn't have tons of money by any means, but I, I had all the support in the world, all the love in the world. Um, they were very involved in everything that we did. They were small business owners. My mom was a medical biller and then my my stepdad was a contractor. So they allowed them to dictate their own schedules versus being in the corporate world and the corporate world telling you where to be and what to do all the time. So I saw at an early age, you know, how important it was to have the support that we had. And that was, you know, a, a factor in becoming an entrepreneur as well. I saw my corporate career kind of climbing that ladder and that was nothing I ever really wanted to do because I saw a lot of the senior management, they're all divorced. They, they're estranged from their families and family being so important or as important as it was to me, I didn't want that. So I, I knew that, hey, this could be successful and this could work out, but I've proved that I can be successful at a bunch of different things. So why not, you know, try to jump into the entrepreneurship world and that's why I took like the leap of faith. And it really started as an idea of business school. So this wasn't like, hey, I just, I'm just going to jump into this without really, you know, any direction. I was doing my MBA at the time. This really started out as a project for school and it just grew organically. And then when I just felt comfortable, you know, after about a year of research and testing this, uh, I jumped in. So, yeah. That's super cool. Oh my gosh. So walk me through like your entire career, if you will. You had mentioned, so you had went to, you had went to high school, then to college for football. You got a football scholarship for college. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I went to University of Arizona. I, I was a pretty good high school athlete. I had about, I mean, I think it was about 60 division one offers, but I had a twin brother and we were only going to go together. So I don't remember how many offers we had together, but I had a twin brother and uh, University of Arizona was the school that offered us early in like first. So we always like appreciated that. 
loyalty is royalty to me and people who, you know, buy into me and are with me along the journey are, are incredibly invaluable to me. So that was really important um, that they came on. I mean, it was like literally the first day that they could offer us. They did. So that was really cool. But yeah, I was an athlete. And then um, my corporate career, I got into uh, medical device sales. So I worked at Stryker, which was a top, I think it was like three or four medical company in the world. Um, they're so one of the largest medical companies in the world. I got into like the spine ortho space. So I was doing like spine surgeries every day. So I was like literally standing in surgery, you know, with these neuro and orthopedic surgeons telling them like, <laughs> what to do. <laughs> I just thought that was like wild. This is like, you guys went to school for like 10 years. I've been here for like four months. Why am I telling you what to do? And it was a cool, I liked it because like it was challenging. Like you had to be on your feet. Like you couldn't, you had to be focusing on that surgery and be ready before that doctor even knew what he was running into. So you had, like, before the problem happened, you had to be like two steps ahead and have like three solutions for him because there was a problem in every surgery. So that was cool, but it just wasn't fulfilling for whatever it is. I, I don't know what it was. I, I think, you know, you have something that's in you and you don't know it to be an entrepreneur, you know, at an early age. And as you go throughout your life, like the more things that you do, it just becomes more overwhelmingly obvious, like you're an entrepreneur. And I tried again. I had a friend that was a U of A Wildcat, somebody who went to the same school as me. And he came to me like two years in my corporate career. He's like, hey, we're launching this product out of Brazil. Like, come help me do it. So I went to like basically like a, a startup, like medical company, which was a huge risk. Because I was just like, man, like this, I'm so early in my career. But he like he made it sound like it was going to be amazing. And it was. It was a great ride. But I saw like that startup experience from a medical company. I was like, I went from a, a striker world where our national like sales meetings were renting out entire hotels, you know, like hundreds, if not like over a thousand people in this room to our national sales meeting for my new startup medical company was like 14 people. So I was just like, what did I do? Like, I just left like this massive company and joined this like little rinky dink, you know, company. I was like, it was kind of crazy, but had a lot of success there. I mean, it just, again, it was all the intangible things, everything that I took from football, I applied it to my medical career, had nothing to do with being like the smartest guy in the room, it had everything to do with just literally outworking everybody. Um, I was willing to put in more hours early on in my career than any. A lot of these sales reps, they want to make, you know, a hundred grand and they don't want to be in an office. And that was never like what I wanted to do. I wanted to be the best. You know, I wanted to be like number one on the team. I wanted to get better every day. Like when I ran into problems, it drove me nuts if I couldn't like overcome them. So I obsessed about them until I figured them out. These are like the entrepreneurial things that like kind of stick out you know, and hey, you're an obvious entrepreneur, you just got to like figure out what you want to do. You know, I wanted to know, like, I wanted to talk about marketing, I wanted to talk about sales, I wanted to talk about product development, you know, I wanted to talk about how we can get, you know, with my clients, I wanted to talk about, hey, how can we help you be more successful by providing more value to you? You know, not just like, hey, here's my product portfolio, buy stuff so I can make money, which is like most sales reps. I wanted to understand the whole business and how we can make the whole business better, like mindset. It just after like five or six years of being you know, held in a box. Like I was literally held in the box, like, cause I was a sales rep. I was like, this is driving me nuts. Like this is driving me nuts. I want to do more. So I went back into my MBA. I was just like, I feel it. It's in my, in my stomach. It's in my heart. Like I'm obsessing about this or something else. And that's when I went back into my MBA and about a year into my program, you know, I'm again, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Like I just wanted it really bad. Like I had to study for my in, like interest exams. Like I failed them multiple times. Like I just wanted it so bad and just never gave up. I kept doing it and made it happen. 
you know, a lot of people, once they run into one roadblock, you know, they give up. That's not going to ever help you be successful in life. Like you're literally a failure until you're successful. You're going to fail along the journey every step of the way because every part of the journey is new and you're not going to be an expert at it. Like you become an expert at, at like studying and practicing and repping and failing and then you overcome it and then you get to the next level. That's everything I've done. And that was like built into me as an athlete every year, like you got better, just had to rep it and get better. So yeah, about a year into my program, I was in a marketing class and this professor said something to me that was just so profound. And we're going over all the success rates in marketing and everything was super nominal. It was just like email was like 8% and direct mail was like 12%, super low. And then he ends this three hour lecture saying, Hey guys, you know, it works better more you know, now, if not better than ever, is a good old fashioned handwritten note. Like no one does it anymore. Mailboxes are empty. The open rates are about 99%. Relationships are going cold. It's a great relationship building tool. And I was just like, man, that's a no brainer, but I have 400 clients. How do you write 400 handwritten notes? So basically that was where my entrepreneurial journey light bulb happened. And then my entrepreneurial seizure moment happened about a few months later when I started testing this product idea. That's insane. I love that, Rick. I love that. And I love how it happens like so organically. Like These are the best companies that ever start, right? Like they're not the ones that you intentionally even try to bring to this world. They're the ones that like you have a problem, mm -hmm. you solve it and it just organically shows up in your life, right? Like mm -hmm. the professor was mentioning, handwritten notes are like, huge 99% open rate, like what? And then, you know, you had an actual problem because you're like, Hey, I have 400 clients. What am I going to, you know, what am I going to do here? So I absolutely love yes. that. You, that You took like your pain point and then created it into a business, which is so cool. Cause sometimes people think, Oh my God, to create, you know, a business product or service, I have to be like this complicated, create this pitch deck and create like the next Facebook of, of the world. Right. Like it's like, you just need to solve a problem. If you can solve a lot of people's problems, right? Those are the businesses that will take off. It's these people. And you know, most businesses fail. There's a book by Michael E. Gerber. It's called The E-Myth. And he goes over like the statistics of businesses that fail by within the first year. It's like 50% of businesses will fail before year one. It's like 85% of businesses will fail before five years. And then every business eventually will fail. Think about it. Like our economy's business economy has only been around for like a hundred plus years. Like, do you think your business is not eventually going to be bought out or you're going to retire or times are going to change, right? Like we went into the, the web world, you know, web 2.0, whatever, you know, the digital revolution from 2000 to 2022. Now we're in the AI revolution. Like it's just a natural part of life. Like your business eventually is going to end, right? Because evolution, you know, it's just going to, you're going to have to evolve with it, right? So it's just the businesses that can identify a problem now and solve a problem now. Those are the businesses that work out, but and you also got to think too, it's like things aren't supposed to be permanent. Like you're supposed to like level up every five to 10 years and your, your ideas and your ambitions and your goals are going to change every five to 10 years. Like how I look at this at year five is completely different. How I looked at it five years ago, like we're building robots now, like we're building automated systems. We're doing industrial automation. I never thought it was going to be this, but like what I wanted to achieve five years ago is completely different than what I wanted to achieve now. And as you walk down your path of entrepreneurship, like your tunnel vision for your goal starts to open up. Like you're like all these new skills, I don't know what just happened, but all these new skills that you're developing are going to like 
open your eyes to all these different opportunities. That's really what happened here. It's just like, I've stacked all these new skills. I know how to build websites now. I know how to deal with code front end and back end. Now do SEO. I know how to do marketing campaigns. I know how to track it and new ideas come to life. So you know, allow it to be a growing journey. Don't be so dead fixed on just that one specific goal because along that journey, new things are going to come, new opportunities are going to come, new knowledge is going to come and you're going to grow as a person. And that's like the real the real value of becoming an entrepreneur is just constant growth, like confidence that you're going to get from it. It's invaluable. It's really an awesome experience. Absolutely. I am totally with you on that. And I love how you just reflected on all of that regarding entrepreneurship. It's literally constant growth. Like you think that just because you have one business <laughs> and that's it. Like I went from two restaurants to diving into like real estate development. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh my God, what the hell? What do you mean? Like I have two restaurants. Like how am I meant to go into real estate? This doesn't make any sense. You know, mm -hmm. you level up, you are. But one thing that I love that you did, Rick, is like you took this idea and you executed. And now five years later, you're building robots. Like that's insane. But before we get to that portion of it, like how did you take that thought and that business idea from your mind and really create it and execute it into a business? Because again, I tell everyone, I'm like the difference between those who are successful and great entrepreneurs are the ones who execute. So how did you manifest it into reality? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a big, um, I mean, I wasn't a super risk taker. I'm, I'm more conservative by nature. And I think that's, what's been really good for me as an entrepreneur. The book's good to great. It's about when you're taking any new risk in life, you're going to, you're going to try something new. It's about doing the bullets and cannonballs. So you got to imagine like you're on a pirate ship and you're fighting another pirate ship and you have one cannonball that can save you guys. So basically like your water cash or something that's going to you know protect your business. And before you blow that one cannonball that can save your business, you got to do a lot of test shots, you know, so test, 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 line up that cannon and make sure when you're going to make that big investment or send that one cannonball, it's going to everything that you needed to do to save your business or help you be more successful. So uh, we've just done so much testing and I'm so, I'm so obsessive about this. I love it. I'm, I literally am in the, the warehouse at 11 o'clock sometimes still just because I'm so passionate about the product. So it's really easy for me to sit there and analyze and, and brainstorm and try to improve this product because I love it. But that's what we've done good. We've just mitigated our risk. We've done tons of tests. You know, even when I kicked off this project, you know, for business school, before I jumped in with two feet, I just kept testing it, you know, within my current business or back then being a sales rep. And I, just got such good results. Like my first mailing, and again, I'm a sales rep. So like I was always outbound, knocking doors, making phone calls, trying to book appointments. And when I did my first mailing, I sent out about 500 handwritten notes. <laughs> my quota every month was like 50 grand. And we sold a really cheap product. It was like 150 to 250 bucks to doctors. And from that first 500 piece mailer, I had 28 doctors call me back, which was rare. Like if your client's calling you back, you're doing something right. And these doctors are like, hey, Rick, like, First off, thanks for sending me this handwritten note. Like, that's cool. Like, no one does this anymore. This offer sounds good. Like, let's set up a lunch and talk about it. And again, I had a $50,000 a month quota. And I got $280,000 in new sales, 20 grand in commission in like six weeks. So like, that's when like the entrepreneurial seizure, nuclear bomb. Oh my God, this is it. I knew it was going to work. Let's go. And that's what happened. And the rest was, I, mean, I hate to say the rest is history because there's been a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. You know, most entrepreneurial 
journeys, but it's just test, 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 mitigate risk. The worst thing you can do is just go get a loan or go get an investor from day one. Like, cause you don't know, like you don't know if it's going to work. You don't know how big it was going to be. I am, I am so thankful, you know, looking back five years, I chose to self-fund this, client fund this, no loans, no debt, no investors. This company, this opportunity, it could be so big. And if I would have, you know, took that money early on, I would have basically gave away everything. And not having as the equity in the business, it probably wouldn't have been worth all the the stress and the heartache for those first four or five years. So just test and and be uh, my my number one you know recommendation: test and uh, mitigate your risk. You know, so you can handle those storms early on. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that, Rick. Oh my gosh. And I love that you like self-funded and you worked on risk mitigation the most, right? Because sometimes we think we got to go like all in and it's almost like, I don't know, test it, then move a little bit further mm -hmm. with it, test it, move forward with it. Like you don't have to go put all your eggs in one basket. And then, you know, so that's mm -hmm. what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs. And then that's one of the biggest reasons why they fail. And speaking of like failures or, or challenges or anything like that, like what has been some of your biggest challenges throughout your journey, whether it's your entrepreneurial journey or life journey, what, what would you, what would you say? And how did you overcome it? You know, I think the biggest thing I've learned about myself, and you'll learn a lot of things about yourself, you know, biggest thing I've learned about myself in the last five years is how to be a better communicator, how to communicate your expectations early on, how to get the right people on the team. When I was in, and this is one of my biggest regrets, uh, I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast, is like in my early days, like as an athlete, like I thought just hard work alone was going to be enough. Me just outworking everybody because <laughs> I was like introverted, like as an athlete, like I, I just wanted to shut up, show up and shut up and, and show out like on film. I just wanted to be quiet and I just wanted to be the best on the field and let my, my game do all the talking. But in the real world, you need people to be successful. You need, you need a team. You know, if you want to go far, you go, or you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you got to go together. And I think people need to realize that. So, you know, being a better communicator, like when I meet people now, like if it's a business meeting, I clearly explain my expectations up front. You know, don't sit there and just say, Hey, I hope the best. I'm just going to try to be a good person to them and hope they take care of me and I'll take care of them. No, you can't do that. If it's around business, you got to be clear. You got to be upfront. Like, Hey, this is my expectations for this relationship. You know, outside of being a good person and doing the right thing and helping each other out. This is my expectations. Like, are we clear? Like, are you comfortable with that? Like, do you agree with this? Right. That way it's not like not understood. And, you know, if I did a better job earlier with that in my career, you know, in athletics and in my corporate career, you know, I, I probably would have been way more successful because, you know, being quiet and introverted, it can come off in certain ways to, you know, your coaches or your upper management, like, oh, that guy is secluded. He's to himself. He's not a, a team player. You know, he just wants to do this, you know, versus if you're a leader, you know, you're a leader in that locker room, you're a leader on your team and you can help everybody around you get better. You're 10 times more valuable than just being a good athlete or a good sales rep. And that, that was an extremely hard thing for me to learn because I just thought like, Hey, I'm going to be the best. And that's going to make me the best. It's like, I got to be the best and I got to help the people around me be the best in order for really, for me to be the best. So mm -hmm. that was something that I learned through entrepreneurship because you need a lot of help as an entrepreneur. Like you really do. And, uh, if you can't help your team, your vendors, you know, get better, like they're not going to want to be around, you know? So it's my goal now 
to ensure that anybody that's on my team, regardless if they're a vendor or our employees, to make sure that they're getting better every single day um, because they're going to feel that and then they're going to want to help you get better every single day. So I, I really challenge people to think about that and how that applies to their lives and their business or their jobs because that will elevate your career you know, faster than just being the best at what you're doing. Love that, Rick. Thanks so much for sharing that. I mean, entrepreneurship, all the challenges that it brings, and my God, like the mental uh, toughness that you've got to build for that. I mean, for you, you've built it through athletics, which is amazing, right? Built like that, like that determined mind. For me, it was in the restaurant world, you know, for in the restaurant world, that's exactly what I learning how to balance a million, you know, put out a million fires, how to multitask and hold on to a million different things, you know, and learning how to manage people and communication skills. Yeah. It's so interesting how every piece of the journey kind of paves the way for the next. And then like what we learn throughout that journey, right? It's like, yeah. you know, what motivates you, but then what motivates your team, right? Like it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's the thing. You got to figure that out. Like if you look at, you know, there's a Dale Carnegie, he, he was like, when I first got into sales, my sales manager sent me to like Dale Carnegie sales training. And he was like the first person in like the early 1900s that got a million dollar salary. And I believe he was working on like manufacturing and he knew nothing about manufacturing. So he wasn't the most knowledgeable, best person at the job, but what he was good at was getting people to believe in themselves, getting people to love themselves, you know, to find value in what they're doing, make sure that they felt important, which helped the company be better. I still listen to that book, you know, every January just to pick up little things that I, I may forget along the, the way, because, you know, the stress of building a business is in some ways insurmountable, but it's a mountain that you constantly got to be climbing. It doesn't matter if you're one year in, five years in, or 20 years in, like every year is going to be a new mountain and you're constantly like literally climbing that that's a good reset for me it's it's about building friends and you know building influences within the people around you learning how to remember their name just you know if you don't remember the person's name you're talking to like that's like one of the easiest ways to get that person to put their wall down it's like when you say hey john not like hey man how you doing it's like hey john how are you like that's like seriously one of the first like within a microsecond to get that person to trust you and like you. It's just remembering their name. Like, it's like, it's so simple, but it's like, it's so profound. Like if somebody addresses you by just your name, you know, versus by like a, a slogan or a slur or whatever, um, it's just, it's really powerful in business. So um, I totally understand what you're saying. You know, it, it is stressful. You're putting out tons of fires, but constantly, you know, it, it is about the people around you and getting that team to believe in the mission, believe in the goal, believe what they're doing, want to do it, not they have to do it to make money. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned a few nuggets that you've had throughout your entrepreneurial journey, but for any entrepreneur who's listening right now or aspiring entrepreneur, what would you say was your best lesson or best piece of advice that you've learned throughout your journey? Well, the communication, you know, that has been a huge, like life-changing thing for me is I, I would say that, but um, I would recommend entrepreneurship for everybody. You know, if you're early in your career, especially because you can take those risks, but you know, in the five years of being an entrepreneur, it, it is packed a 50 year corporate career into this, you know, learning how to, you know, build a business from the ground up, do marketing sales, you know, HR taxes, product development, product delivery, sales, marketing, outbound, developing sales funnels, marketing funnels, you know, doing ads. Like, I mean, this is everything I was craving 
you know, when I was a sales rep, like I knew it, I just had to go find it. And I found this here. So I would recommend anybody to try this if you really feel it, but treat it like a job. Don't treat it like a, a hobby or a, a side, a side hustle, because you're not going to get what you need out of it, or it's not going to give you what you need out of it. And yeah, I would just say really it's, it's about getting the right people on the ship, learning how to be a good leader communicate effectively early on tons of podcasts out there talking about effective communication you know but yeah i, I would recommend entrepreneurship to anybody if you can handle <laughs> the stress because <laughs> there is a lot of stress but stress is a good thing stress is a good thing it's just you can't let it overcome you for sure i love that rick i love that and like this is one of my favorite questions and i can't wait to see what you have to say about this one but what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? Slow down. I have a three and a five-year-old. You're just priorities change when you get older. And that's what I'm saying. Your goals five years now, five years ago are going to be different than now because your life's going to be different. Taking care of your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, take care of the things that really matter. You know, simply noted as a business, you know, it is, it's my business passion, but it's not my life passion, you know. You just got to slow down. You know, things are going to happen, you know, when they're supposed to happen. The more you force it, the more stress you're going to put on yourself, the more anxiety you're going to put on yourself. I mean, I used to just like, I want to be successful yesterday. Like, I'm going to get this done in a year. <laughs> just gonna enjoy the journey. The journey is the dream. Like everything that I've learned is, is so fulfilling and it's so empowering that I've figured out. And that is the dream. The destination is just the destination. And there's going to be another mountain to climb after you get to that destination. So learn to enjoy the process, learn to enjoy the journey, slow down, you know, enjoy the things that are around you. It's really hard to separate personal life and entrepreneurship because when you're a business owner, it's always on your mind, but really practice, you know, if it's meditation, there's a lot of techniques to really get your mind away from the stress, you know, just like sensory, like sensory techniques. Like if you're feeling really overwhelmed, like by just like literally looking at something, like say my keyboard's in front of me, by literally by looking at it and just touching it and thinking about it, you can change your mind in a second and literally get your mind off the stress because you're forcing your brain to think about something and then you touch it. Like even if you just smell something, like you're forcing your sensory to overpower the stress because your brain is thinking about what it's looking at, smelling and touching. It's like, there's a lot of techniques you'll, you'll learn because <laughs> the stress is always there. So yeah, I would just say slow down, slow down, enjoy the journey because you know the destinations can always change. Love that. I love that, Rick. And like now, where are you headed in the next like, three to six months, like what's up in your world and simply noted. Yeah. You know, we're in production of our robots. So, you know, I, I really am a firm believer in the problem we're solving. You know, the, the world is just getting more cold every day. You know, the AI revolution is taking over now. And I, I do believe AI is going to re replace a lot of jobs. So relationships and business will always matter because at the end of the day, people have a choice when it comes to business. Like there are no monopolies here right? There, there are opportunities for competition. So competition comes down to having a great product, delivering great customer service, but also relationships. So I believe the problem we're solving is going to be around forever. You know, we just got done with the two-year project of building our own handwriting robot. So we're going into production. That's a whole different, you know, beast now. Now we're into additive and uh, iterative like manufacturing, which is, this is all new. I'm working in China with injection molding. You know, we're building our own motherboards. I have an electrical engineering team, a software engineering team, a mechanical engineering team. 
So I'm entering a whole new world again, right? Every year your skill level and everything's going to change because you have to grow. You grow through what you go through, right? So we're going through a whole new challenge, but I'm excited or excited for the future. You know, my goal is to sell Simply Noted someday. I do believe Simply Noted can be a high eight, you know, nine figure business, but it's going to take, you know, some real money. You know, I've, again, I've self-funded this thing through customers, you know, and client funded. So I'm excited for the future, but you know, the future is going to be a higher mountain, right? So there's going to be more, more trails to traverse and more tough territory. I'm going to have to cut down some branches and make some new paths, but I'm excited for it. I've learned to enjoy the stressful process. I absolutely love that. I can't wait to hear all about like the next, you know, the next phase after these robots are done, we're going to have to check in and like, six months and say like, Hey, how are those robots do? It's going to change the industry. Oh man. I'm so excited for that. My goodness, Rick, thank you so much for being here today. And I'm sure there's a ton of people listening that are like, where do I find Rick? What's the best way to reach you? Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So I, I try to get back to anybody who reaches out there. It's just Rick Elmore, E-L-M-O-R-E. Or if anybody's remotely interested in learning about what Simply Noted is, we're a handwritten notes platform. Just go to simplynoted.com. It's just how it's spelled. S-I-M-P-L-Y noted.com and request a sample kit. We do a pretty good job of like sending this nice sample kit out. It has tons of writing samples and case studies and um yeah it's just a really cool product what usually happens when people get it in their hands they're like no way was this written by a robot and then they call us and they you know talk to us about a project they need help with so yeah i would say simply noted.com or just connect me on linkedin i absolutely love that rick thank you so much for being here today for sharing your wisdom and all of the beautiful things thank you thank you thank you so that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. Underdog, underdog, underdog. All we know is overtime, working like some underdogs. Underdog.